0: This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK.
1: Welcome to Kinran. This is the story of us. I'm standing in the midst of rehearsals and preparations for a mammoth outdoor performance. They're calling it Kinran. And it's the first of its kind in the country where almost a thousand volunteers will depict... 2,000 years of English history and it's happening on a vast open stage which lies in front of me. It's about the size, they say, of five football pitches. And this stage has been sculpted from the fields alongside the River Weir, just below Bishop Auckland. In fact, I can see Auckland Castle just sitting in profile on the ridge beyond us. So for this week's Open Country, I'm here to discover more about this outdoor spectacle and its impact on the landscape and on the surrounding communities and to delve into the real history of this part of County Durham. So we're surrounded by great trucks and and construction workers. There's all sorts of work going on. And I'm with Anne-Isabelle Doulon. You're the CEO of the organisation who's putting... This immense project. So, uh, just tell me a little bit about the lie of the land. I do feel as though well I've come
0: down into a little bit of a bowl in the landscape. This piece of land is a bowl at the bottom of the escarpment on which is perched oakland Castle. And this is actually a floodplain. We are bordered by the River Weir. And this particular site was a disused golf course most recently when uh, we purchased it. However, before that, it was actually historical land from uh, the Prince Bishops. And this is a land on which they had hunting going on, medieval jousting, also something that has been used as race grounds in the 19th century. It's been an entertainment place. For centuries so we are just bringing it to the 21st century. (laughs) Uh, What you you can see as well if you turn is uh, a wonderful viaduct which has 11 arches, thus our name, and this is a very classic Victorian viaduct and it's a very poignant reminder that the birth of the railways was 20 miles away so for us it's a very important piece of architecture but also connected to the town and our project is to reconnect the town to its history. It's a historic setting, which is very fit for purpose for what we want to say. But it it is also in a region where the community spirit is extremely strong. Just describe for me what will happen here come the launch of Kinran. Well, Kinran is really bringing to life 2,000 years of British history in a very spectacular manner. So we will have an immense stage, uh, which is about the size of five football pitches. At its centre, you have a massive lake. And uh, it will be invaded at various points in time during the show by a cast of several hundreds, by horses, by animals. So we've got ducks, cows, goats, uh, sheep. um, And a cast of... In total, we have a cast and crew of over a 1,000, and on each show night, about 650 of them are involved.
1: If people want to try and get an image of what it might be like, they would think back to the opening ceremony of the Olympics 2012. Mm -hmm. That
0: begins to get you there with what's going to
1: happen in this open landscape as we sit now with the the fields surrounding us
0: and the the woodland up above us, and then the profile of Auckland Castle on the Ridge. The analogy is a, a very good one. From an artistic concept point of view, Uh, It is probably the closest the British public has seen, but it's a concept that is unique in in this country. We bring it from from France. This project is linked to
1: other activities in this area, say up at Auckland Castle, Mm -hmm. and it's linked through one man and the establishment of charities and trusts. Mm -hmm. An enormous resurgence,
0: hopefully, in in the economics of this landscape and of its people. I, I, I started with Jonathan Ruffer, on this project over three and a half years ago. And I think people are already witnessing and experiencing the sense of community that we have within the family of our volunteers, the archers, we call them archers. That is, you know, first and foremost, changing people's lives, those who partake. However, beyond that, I think there is a sense of hope and a lot of high expectations. And I think it's really lifted spirits.
2: Come on, come on.
1: Have it. Come on! Chorus is coming from this flock of white ducks here. What geese are they?
2: No, the Aylesbury ducks Aylesbury. we have twelve. And oh. the four white geese. And three and pygmy goats.
1: And you are Barry Eggleston.
2: I am. And I'm Barry. You're
1: one of the volunteers, one of the hundreds of volunteers who come to be part of this. A
2: thousand. Oh one thousand my. volunteers have been told. Yes. What,
1: what brings you to do it and, and what are you doing?
2: Well, I'm really, i just come down help out whichever way I can. I'm retired. There's nothing to do. And I have a fishing lake over here I have free of charge. So it's great, isn't it? So when did you start with them? Four years ago, when Jonathan bought the land, he rang me and asked us would I look after the land until all this started. When Jonathan told me what it was going to be, I didn't believe him. I thought it was cuckoo. And then the other day when Jonathan was down... Jonathan stood with open arms and he says, Barry, the cuckoo has landed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be the making of Bishop Auckland, actually. Why well, not just Bishop Auckland, Durham, County Durham itself. The things people say about it now, which to begin with they didn't, weren't talking about it because they didn't believe, but now, and they say what's happening with the shore, people are starting to believe, aren't they? My wife's a Kinran widower.
1: You couldn't encourage her to come and be part of it?
2: She is, actually.
1: She is now, is she? Yes,
2: yes, yeah.
1: What's she doing?
2: She's going to be a- animal handler.
1: What were you involved in before you retired?
2: I used to have uh, my own business. I had taxis for 35 years, in the, just locally in the town. Oh,
1: it's 35 years of running a taxi. Yeah. Did you see a change in the area and, and it kind of going downhill a bit?
2: Oh, yes, big changes, yeah. But now, hopefully, this is going to make it... With the big changes for the better. It has to. With 8,000 people coming every show, they have to go somewhere to shop and to eat, haven't they? So it's bound to make a difference to Bishop. Bound to. And even the costumes is all made here. Everybody's learning, aren't they? Everybody. Even me at 70-year-old.
1: I'm taking a shortcut across the site and I'm going through this workshop. There's a, a full length train with all its carriages run the full length of the, the workshed that's been constructed from scratch. There are people working at tables creating. There's one chap making buckles to hold the cavalry sword in place. Uh, spinning wheels have been made here. There are people f- uh, rolling flags which will be unfurled. There are people painting. There's arrows that have been made.
3: I want to um, be a model I can uh, put it on you and see how it's going to work
1: yeah yeah come on man. yeah
3: so this would be a cavalry sword mm-hmm. and then the sword can be pulled out with your right hand um,
1: in part of the indeed. actually it's so long indeed. I actually can't get it out <laughs> of this scabbard there we go oh my goodness it's so heavy Indeed. Oh. where are you from that you're doing all this
3: originally from over the other side of Durham but I now live um up on the hilltops near Crook it's uh, it's something Bishop needs the chance to be in part, part of something this big only happens once every hundred years or so. I mean, just look at the people who were involved in Beamish and places like that. Yeah. So,
1: are you a volunteer or are you paid to be here? I'm a volunteer. How many hours are you putting in?
3: Uh, this is my first day back after a little bit of an absence because my main work took me more or less for a month.
1: And do you feel there's a sense of you know hope now in the community because of what's happening here on this site?
3: I do. It will. Create a, a sense of community that nowadays doesn't really exist. It yeah, so, was lost possibly
1: yeah. when the mines closed.
3: That's it So now that everyone works for little businesses and small franchises, no one speaks to each other anymore.
1: Tristan, for all your magnificent hard work, I knight thee, Sir Tristan <laughs> of the Belt
3: Buckle. I thank you. <laughs>
1: Victory! Kinran is starting its huge production with the Romans 2,000 years ago. And so what I would love to do is find out how the Romans had a real place in this landscape. And I'm here at Binchester Fort with David Mason, who's the county archaeologist. Now, we're going to explore some of the ruins, and I know there's excavations underway. So if you lead the way into the real past, that would be lovely, David. Okay, (laughs)
4: happy to do that. How do you
1: feel about the Romans being, you know, put in this sort of potted history? Well it helps to
4: bring the past alive for people I suppose and it will be very entertaining and if as a by-product it it makes them more interested in their local history and heritage, so much the better.
1: So what is here? What have you found?
4: Um, Well, Binchester is a Roman fort, and was a Roman fort. Uh, It's one of a chain of forts along Deer Street, as it was known in later times, which is the main north-south Roman road up the east side of the Pennines. So it's like the predecessor of the A1 the A68. And it was placed at this particular point because it guards the crossing of the River Weir, which is just a few hundred metres behind us. It's also well positioned to intercept any enemy force that's coming through the Stainmore Gap from the other side of the Pennines.
1: We can see elements
4: of it, of of those fortifications. Winchester has a long history of investigation and presentation to the public In fact, the first bit of Roman Binchester to be put on display in the modern era was actually 1815. What happened was a horse and cart was quietly trundling its way across what was then an open field, and a big hole opened up in the ground into which they fell, and the hole in the ground was caused by the collapse of an underfloor heating system, or hypercost, in a building which later excavations showed was a bath building. And the owner of the land at that time didn't merely have the hole filled in as an inconvenience. But he decided he was going to have the remains cleared out, conserved, protected by a brick b- barrel vault and a flight of steps so that his visitors at weekends could go down and admire his collection of Roman antiquities. <laughs>
1: very, very good foresight on his behalf, oh. I have to say. you could have lost it all otherwise. Yeah.
4: Just in front of us, about three or four feet below modern ground level, you can see exposed a stretch of, of Deer Street. Um, as it comes through the centre of the fort as one of its
1: main streets, the Via Principalis. And that was a Roman road? That's a Roman road. That's one of the latest... on, trundled on, creating an economy here, more than likely. It's there.
4: Yeah, the presence of the garrison would have been a great stimulus to local agricultural production, so there was money to be made by local farmers. And another element of the extramural population are the unofficial wives and families of soldiers. And I say unofficial because until the early 3rd century, serving soldiers were not allowed to be married.
1: Now, come into this very personal area of the Roman bathhouse, and on this walkway above, and you look down below, you can see where the water would have been heated and brought in, Where you can see where they would have stepped into those rejuvenating waters, the cleansing.
4: This bath building was built round about the middle of the 4th century, you can see all the pillars in the hypercost next door are all still there. And the floor that you actually walked on is still there as well, which is a very unusual survival in Britain.
1: How long were the Romans here?
4: Right, well, this fort uh, was founded around about AD 75 or 80. So it's a long time. And in fact, we do have two forts on the site. There's the one I've been describing, which is 10 acres in size. But beneath that, there's an even larger fort, which was about 17 acres in size which would have housed about 2,000 troops at the time when this part of the country was being conquered and incorporated into the Roman province.
5: Mm.
4: Part of the fort is covered now by a a fairly extensive cemetery. And radiocarbon dating of those uh, skeletons has showed they span the period from about 600 all the way down to the 11th century. And it's in the 11th century, probably, that the Prince-Bishops build their rural palace just across the way. So that then becomes the focus of settlement. So what we have here, in fact is the first thousand years of Bishop Auckland. Or Bishop Auckland Mark I, if you like. (laughs) And just across the way is the
1: carrying on the story. Close to the Roman fort, and actually overlooking the production site, is Auckland Castle. And it's home of the Prince Bishops of Durham. It's a cross between a palace and a church, I feel, as I look at it. I'm with Chris Ferguson, who is the curatorial director
6: here at Auckland Castle. It's... Like you sort of took a medieval palace and then you added a Georgian overlay of sort of Georgian crenellations, Georgian windows, you asked somebody in the Georgian period to create a (laughs) castle. It's a very early site, originally occupied in the Iron Age, which is why the Romans were over on the other hilltop. And then um, in the Anglo-Saxon period and onwards, this site developed because it was next to the main Roman road.
1: And this was
6: the residence
1: of Prince Bishop's and until quite recently was the residence of
6: the Bishop of Durham. These are are England, Britain's only Prince Bishops, basically because the North East, just after the Norman Conquest, after William the Conqueror's arrived, is a rebellious place. Everybody here is a long way from London, we're a long way from Normandy, and the easiest way to control them, rather than giving a lot of power to one aristocrat who's just going to rise up himself, is to give it to an office. So they give it to the Bishop of Durham, So it's an appointed post, so that man develops a whole series of powers. He can raise his own army, mint his own coinage, uh, raise his own taxes, hold his own parliament, separate legal system. Um, It's a a little independent state.
1: It began with William the Conqueror, this role of Prince Bishop, and how long did it last?
6: Till the great reforms of the 1830s. The reform of parliament, the reform of churches, the reform of representation. They lose all of that, um, focused on their spiritual role, um, most of the lands of the Bishopric of Durham are given up to found Durham University and then um, they retreat to this being their, their sole residence until 2012.
1: Until as recently as that, 2012. Yeah.
6: What happened then? The palace, the paintings that we have, the collections here, were sold by the, the Church Commissioners for England to the Orkney Castle Trust focused on the regeneration of Bishop Auckland, but using the art, the culture, the heritage, the landscape to create something that's a really exciting place to visit.
1: What's happening here is connected to the, you know, the all-singing, dancing, flashbang, you know, <laughs> history of England just down below us, isn't it? It's all yes. part of the same
6: story. It all comes back to um, 13 paintings we have in the dining room here by one of the Spanish old masters, Francisco de Zurbarán. They are... 17th century spanish golden age and were at risk of being sold abroad we are the product of a campaign to save those paintings everything that, that that's come out of the inspiration of those pictures be it um be it up here with orcan castle with the trust here or down down in the bend of the river at kimmon it's all related to the the message of, of hope that they have that that sort of ambition and the and the optimism that the paintings were bought here for The northeast and the area around Bishop Auckland is a very proud area and full of really wonderful communities, but has been hit hard over the last few years. So we're
1: talking about being in a landscape which was strongly dominated by mining. Mm
6: -hmm. Yes. And
1: there was a connection between this grandeur here and the men down the pit.
6: The bishops as prince bishops and the later as bishops of Durham are deeply connected to the mining community here. The bishops were were owners of the coal mines before the 1830s. Durham Coalfield is the largest coal field in the UK, and the perception of County Durham is sort of somewhere that um, had lots of coal heaps, and all all of that's long gone. The natural landscape of the county and the town is something that really needs to, to work for the future sort of economic development of the area.
1: We heard about this very strong direct link between the bishopric and the industrial coal mining that probably was the last piece of history which was to have a big impact on the wealth of this area so I've come below the castle I've walked down into this beautiful stretch of mature woodland I think actually this was a deer park and I'm with Chris Lloyd from the Northern Echo newspaper
7: Until the beginnings of the uh, 19th century this was quite a a rural area um, but people had always known that there was this black gold hidden under the soil. Um, Just down the road at Cockfield we have um, the first inland colliery in this area which goes back as far as 1375 they always knew that there was coal here but they never knew quite how to get it out of the ground until in 1825 the uh, Darlington Stockton Railway, or the Stockton and Darlington Railways it's probably called, opened up and as soon as a railway opens up, loads of coal mines open up alongside it
1: It sounds as though mining is still going on that throbbing engine noise but actually, that's below us that is the production site they're obviously still doing work on it
7: that's right that that's, that's the kinren site over there and one of the stories i most love about this little area is that at the beginning of the 19th century as kind of mining exploded all over county durham and the chap who owned the, what is now the kinren site started building a pit and uh, the Bishop of Durham must have woken up one morning, looked out of his wonderful castle windows and seen, the, seen a coal mine in his back garden. So he bought the coal mine and he bought the coal mine owner's house and uh, knocked them both down uh, so he could have a nice view out of his uh, out of his window.
1: <laughs> but they are intrinsically connected and that has to do, well, in, in a way with a visionary, a man who had an idea for... Im- bringing cultural tourism into the area to create a new economy, not based on mining, not based on the wealth of bishops, but on this landscape and and the people who live here.
7: And on its heritage, yes. yes. About seven or so years ago, the uh, Bishop of Durham was being moved out of Auckland Castle, and so he was downsizing, I think. The church commissioners were keen to sell off the, the castle and um, the paintings that are at the very heart of it.
1: I saw them earlier on, 13 beautiful portraits by a Spanish artist.
7: Zerbran. Mm-hmm. And so when the church commissioners tried to offload these 15 million pounds worth of paintings at my newspaper and lots of uh, local people started kicking up a real fuss an hour um, shouting about it um, reached the ears of a, a London financier Jonathan Ruther and he very generously stumped up about 15 million pounds to buy castle paintings donate them back to the town in the form of a trust and is now using them to regenerate the local economy
1: what was the reaction from the community?
7: Uh, people needed a little bit of convincing about the vision for it. But um, I do think that the the town has really bought into it. In many ways, it's uh, the only show in Bishop Auckland since mining really started dying away, almost in times of the Second World War. Little towns like Bishop Auckland have been struggling to kind of find a future, and then along comes this uh, white knight on on an enormous, great stallion. Tourism economy is, is is a way of kind of replacing what was lost over the last 50 years. I was rather sceptical, I must say, about the, uh, the Kinran blueprints where you need a, at least 1,000 volunteers mm-hmm. to get the show up and running. And yet they've got it. It's quite interesting watching, watching their little Twitter feeds. Just local people are going out to um, practise sword fighting of an evening and a bit of a equestrian fencing and all this sort of strange <laughs> stuff. For the first time in decades their town is in the headlines for something fantastically hopeful, shall we say. And that's giving the whole area just a boost because we're talk, being talked up rather than constantly being talked about poverty and closing uh, of industries. And they show a northern perspective on history as well. It's not all about the Tower of London
1: come back down onto the production site and I'm very much behind the scenes because all around me there's shedding and construction vehicles still and last minute preparations going on. I'll let you introduce yourselves because there's a great bunch of them so we'll start with mum. So <laughs> I'm Bridget and I'm mum and I'm a teacher in the area in Bishop Auckland.
0: Uh, my name's Paul, um, I'm dad. Uh, I'm Joseph, I'm the eldest son.
1: I'm Livia that's Nina. And how old are you Nina? Seven. You're twins.
2: I'm Jake, I'm 15 and I'm the second oldest.
1: <laughs> so you're all involved, Bridget, yes. in this production.
5: We actually holidayed in France regularly and uh, heard of the Puy de Fou. It looked amazing, so we decided to book. Our friend said, oh, actually, the same concept is going to happen in Bishop Auckland. And then we've been on the journey with the Kinran family, which it's become ever since, haven't we? It's just, it's, just, And it's been a real a real journey standing at the side, waiting to go on, and hearing, this is the story of us, and thinking, yeah, this is about us.
2: You know, some people sort of say, well, what, why are you giving up so much of your time? Why would you not? It's You just couldn't imagine life without it now, could yeah. you?
1: As volunteers, you've had so much training to do. Yes. Hundreds and hundreds of hours of your lives have been given up to this. So what do you feel you're getting back?
0: We've been trained as scuba divers, which, you've, you know, has been paid for by 11 Arches.
5: You regularly hear that, there's not a lot around here for our children anymore, there's not a lot for our area, there's nothing going on, but this provides such a huge opportunity, my children, all four of them, now, as you've said, have the chance to be trained to get jobs, possibly worldwide. We have choreographers, lighting technicians, pyrotechnic experts, all of those skills that our children have the opportunity to have access to, but then just the construction of the site, all of that is being poured back into our economy. Um, what do you think about
1: being in it? How do you feel about being in it?
7: I'm happy. Very like joyful. It's probably a little bit out of character what I'm doing, but mm. but since I've started I've um yeah, I've the, the more spotlight I can have on me the better. Yeah. It's just yeah. Um, in fact I'm am a bit worried that
2: I'm becoming a Kinran bore.
5: I'm surprised we've got any friends left. Well, we've made lots of new ones yeah, haven't we, which is just, got just new as well yeah. we probably
2: lost <laughs> lots. lots.
3: <laughs>
5: you know we're here especially with the children often after school until midnight uh, when you leave which is a very very long day and parents are taking tired crabby children home but they come back the next day and everybody's saying and next year we'll do this yeah. and will you be team captain with me and it's definitely got that longevity i think that everybody is in it for the long term and it's going to be hopefully like in france something that's going to just become part of our landscape
0: it's, it's brilliant sort of stepping into those characters as well and sort of you get to see it from their perspectives i suppose you know once you get all the outfits on and things like that, and the armor and you just sort of march out on the stage and you just it, it really does it just sort of puts you in the mind of the different people who have just lived throughout the whole area throughout history
1: I'm being ushered to my seat as the sun is setting. Before me lies this great lake and performance areas all around it. There is so much riding on this event for this local area, so I hope for everyone involved, especially all the volunteers, that those hopes are realised.
6: This dear,
3: dear land, thus.